Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to hear from Jake Thomas of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the longest tenured player who is back for a 10th season in blue and gold. Also talk to Amber Balkin, Winnipegger, race car driver. Big news for 2022. She's got a full ride in the States. That's all coming up on the podcast. Jake Thomas, who joins us on the line from the Maritimes. Jake, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing well. This will be season 10 for you coming up in Winnipeg. Was there really ever any doubt in your mind that you'd be coming back for another run? Uh, I knew I wanted to come back. You know, if I was going to play, I knew it was going to be in Winnipeg. It was just, you know, just making sure everything made sense for my family. I have a young son now, but uh, my wife gave me the go-ahead, so it made things uh, much more easier. How do you feel physically after this past season? I feel great, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, I think the year off was, you know, tough to have a, you know, not be able to play. But I think for older guys like myself, it it was just kind of a year of, year less of taking hits on the body. And I, you know, I was able to recover a lot more and uh, my body feels great. Well, you're a player that has not been hurt very often. You've, you've missed very few games in your CFL career. Is that something that you wear as a badge of honor, your durability? Yeah, um, I've kind of always uh, believed the best two abilities you can have are durability and accountability. But uh, a lot of that's just kind of luck, especially my position playing in the trenches. Like, someone's, you know, people get thrown into your legs all the time. It's just sometimes people have serious injuries or sometimes it just kind of hits you and nothing happens. So I've been very fortunate to uh, not have any major injuries. What's it like being a part of this blue bomber locker room? You've been here now, you know, this will be your 10th season. How has that evolved for you seeing what was when you were first here and some losing seasons to now where you're maybe the model franchise of the league? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think whenever they kind of made those changes. I, I call them the big three, but Wade, Kyle, and Osh came in. They, uh, you know, I think it was a process, but they got in the people that they wanted into the locker room. I think we have a pretty high character locker room, and you know, it's a fun place to go to work every day. Uh, Sixty, seventy guys we have are all great guys, and you go in, and you're just kind of hanging out with close friends and just putting in the work that everyone's kind of stri- trying to strive for the same goal. Um, Starting out my first couple of years, you know, uh, we all we had we always had pretty good locker rooms. Just we didn't have the results. But looking back now, you just see kind of the growth and maturity in the group that we have now. Kind of probably compared to the group that we had uh, earlier in my career. And it goes without saying, too, Jake, that winning helps in that feeling too. Hundred percent. You know, that's the best thing you can do in football is winning. And anytime you're winning, you usually get the best out of people. Um, you know, I think anytime it's much easier to work when you're a winning team. So are you taking your career now on a season by season basis of one year at a time? Yeah, I, I've probably been going on that for the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think the average career in the CFLs last time I heard was only 3.2 years. So I've, uh, I've been very fortunate to string together 10 years, but, uh, yeah, I say it's a year-to-year basis. Just if I ever get to the point where I'm not enjoying it, I'll be done. I'm not going to just keep playing to keep playing, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. And as long as they want to keep bringing them back, I'd be happy to keep going back to Winnipeg. 
and you've got the the real estate career now as well to to go to once your playing career is done. So you've got that ready to go. Yeah, I was actually in the office the last couple of days. So uh, yeah, it's just a fun balancing act, and uh, just gives you a different perspective on things. It, uh, you know, I think sometimes being in the real real world, you realize how fortunate you are to still be pl- being able to play a game and do that for a living. What's the real estate market look like in Fredericton right now? Uh, you know, uh, I think ever since COVID's happened, it's been pretty crazy. Things uh, flying off shelf, multiple offers, but right now the inventory is pretty low. So hopefully some uh, some houses here pop up in the new year. Is that just because of the season? Yeah, I think we kind of just had a holidays and I think just the COVID outbreak, people probably just waited for a couple of weeks Uh Today, you started to see a lot more houses come onto the market, but I don't know. Um, basically, anything that comes on the market right now in three to five days, it's pretty much sold. What are what, or what is the COVID situation right now in the Maritimes? Uh, it's probably the worst it's been. Um, I don't know how severe the symptoms are, but it just seems like our numbers, you know, we it used to be a big deal when we have one to five cases in the province. I think to, today we're getting, starting to get closer to that, you know, 750 to 1,000 mark per day. Yeah, it's bad everywhere, unfortunately, but uh, at least the cases are high, but I think the, the severity isn't necessarily super high. Let's talk football again here. How did you feel you played <laughs> in, in your Great Cup game? Because I, I heard that you, you thought you weren't good in the 2019 Great Cup. I'm not saying I wasn't good, but I just wasn't, you know, Overly, I was very excited that we won, but it's not one of those games you put on where, like, you know, I I did anything special or I didn't feel great about my game. There was just a few mistakes that I had in the game. So it was just one of the games, uh, you know, I was hoping we'd be able to get back this year. And, you know, I thought in the first half I played okay, but I, I was really happy with my second half performance. And, you know, anytime you can win an overtime game, it's just going to be just a crazy special feeling. So in 2019, when you were handed the Grey Cup to lift it first, you're not thinking, oh, I like this, but I wish I had a few more tackles. Oh, I could care less about my individual okay. performance. I don't even know what it was until, like, you know, you, you go back and watch the films. You're like, oh, I could have done this, this, or that. But, uh, you know, you'll never be able to replace that first time touching the Grey Cup moment. But, uh, you know, once you know, go down the road and watch the film, you're like, I want to go back and watch this years down the road. I'd, I'd like to see, you know, maybe just playing a little bit better. Was there a satisfaction in winning essentially a road game to win the Grey Cup? Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, obviously anytime we're playing in Winnipeg, like that playoff game when we had 30,000 people uh, screaming and partying, that's always awesome. But it's just as satisfying to be on the road in a kind of a hostile environment and be able to, hear some silence and just just the way it ended. I think it just it's kind of a shock to everyone. I think I was talking to my family that were in the crowd. They were like, you know, we are the only ones standing up. All, everyone around them was all tie cats. But yeah, I think it was it was a great game. Uh, obviously, we're excited that we were on the other side of it. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a great close game. It could have won either way. From your perspective, would you rather be part of a game like in 2019, it's a blowout, or in 2021, where it's just an absolute roller coaster nail biter? 
Uh, I think both with the outcomes. Uh, either well, yeah. way, if we win, we'll take either. I think uh, I think both were almost perfect for your first one. Um, just to kind of have, not that the game's ever wrapped up in the CFL, but just to kind of have that game locked up for the most part in the fourth quarter, just being kind of a team the first time you were ever there, that was nice. But I think to me that last year's is pretty special, just kind of, um, you know, coming back. You know, we knew once we had the win in the fourth, uh, Zach, Zach and the offense would be able to put up the points and just to kind of win in a walk-off way with a couple tips and Kyrie getting the interception. It was just awesome because it just happened so quick. Now, I noticed not long after the game ended, the crowd was almost empty. It was a lot different than 2019 where there were a lot of Bomber fans in Calgary. There weren't a lot in Hamilton just because the tickets were not super available. Did that allow your family to to maybe get a little closer to the post-game action because there was almost no one there? Yeah, I, I don't know what happened in 2019. I think my family were being held up maybe at a different gate or anything. But uh, in 2021, I had 15 people actually at the game. I had a lot of family and friends be able to make it, and they all got to the field pretty quick. So that was definitely a special moment uh, for myself. Uh, I have uh, – eight-month-old son and you know we are able to get pictures on the field so that'll be something we're always going to be able to remember did you get the cute photo of him in the gray cup not yet hopefully hopefully when uh if i'm able to get the cup out to frederick and we'll we'll do something cool like that so i'll let you go on this what does the off season look like for you is there is it a balance between training and real estate yeah for the most part probably uh getting as much training as I uh, can as possible. So whether that be before work or after work and uh, then just doing the real estate grind. But, you know, I think football, football, I know how much time and effort I need each day to kind of be where I want to be. So that will kind of be priority that I need to get those few hours in. And uh, after that, just real estate. Well, Jake, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for doing this. Best of luck with uh, the offseason. We'll see you back in Winnipeg later on this year. All right. Thank you. Monday. It was a big day for Winnipegger Amber Balkin. The 29-year-old racer announced she's landed a full-time ride in NASCAR's National Arkham Menard Series for 20 races this year. I had the chance to chat with Amber on her big opportunity earlier today, and she started by elaborating on the big news. This is something I've worked my entire career for. So to race in the Arc Menard Series, on a na- it's a nas- national NASCAR level, and um, that's always really been the goal, to hit the big stages like Daytona and Talladega. So I've worked a really long time for this, worked really hard for this, so it just feels absolutely amazing to finally accomplish it and, and made all the work definitely worth it. For the uninitiated out there, explain what this series is and kind of where it ranks in the tiers of of NASCAR. Yeah, for sure. So there's four national series of NASCAR. There's a NASCAR Cup Series. That's what you see on Sundays. Then the NASCAR Xfinity Series, NASCAR Truck Series, and NASCAR ARCA Series. So four national levels of NASCAR. And then under that is the regional ARCA Series, ARCA East and West. And then the NASCAR Wheel and All-American Series. And that's the series I won back in 2016. Okay, so this is the this will be the highest level of racing then you've, you've ever been a part of? 
Correct. Yeah, this is definitely the highest level of racing I've ever been a part of. And um, I think the biggest excitement about it is the fact that a lot of our races are in conjunction with the NASCAR Cup Series. So when we're at tracks like Daytona and Talladega and Bristol, we'll be there right with the Cup Series. We usually race the day before them. So our first race of the season is at Daytona International Speedway on February 19th. And that's the day before the Daytona 500. Have you been to Daytona before? Oh, yes. Yeah. So lots of times. Okay. Um, mainly to watch. Back in 2015, I did do uh, one single car run there. So I have felt the speed there, but I've not drafted there yet or done any pit stops or anything like that. So I'm actually heading there next weekend, uh, January 14th and 15th. We have our test days. So that's when I'll get to learn being in the draft and what it's like to be an inch away from another car going 300 kilometers an hour. <laughs> So how does one get the call up to this series? Who did you have to impress to get this promotion? So it's mainly having to do with having the financial backing to do so. Of course, you still have to have the credentials to move up. And last year, I was part of a NASCAR development program and did a couple of races in the ARCA West series. So that definitely enabled me um, on a skill level standpoint to be able to move up into this series. Um, but then the biggest thing was just having the financial backing to do so. And thankfully, uh, Winkler-based company Icon Direct hopped on board last season and was part of the um, Drivers Academy with me and, and also the ARCA races. And um, we had a lot of conversations last year and, and through the off season about where we wanted to go next year and we both agreed that the national level was where we wanted to be so i couldn't have done this without the support of icon direct they're rv parts manufacturers so if you need parts for your rv please go and support them at icondirect.com and then i have glenn mcleod and sons which is a trucking company out of winnipeg coming back with me for their seventh year in a row um, so I am supporting all, or I'm supported by all Canadian companies on the big stages in the U.S. So I think that's pretty neat to have that local support. Absolutely. How cool is it that you're down there, you're flying the Canadian flag, the Manitoba flag, you're living in North Carolina now, but you're still a big, you're very much a, a still made in Canada product down there with these Canadian and Manitoba sponsors. Definitely. I'm very proud to be Canadian and it just really is a testament to how amazing Canadians are. The fact that you know, they really want to help each other and back each other. And um, with Icon Direct, our mission and our goal is everything aligned. You know, he thought of himself as the underdog and really worked to build his company. And um, his my story resonated with him. So it was really a great fit. What's going to be the biggest learning curve for you going to this now level of racing? So I think the biggest learning curve is going to be um, learning how to draft learning what how the aerodynamics work on these cars up until now the largest track i've been on is half mile where daytona and talladega are two and a half plus miles so the speeds are much greater and then again with the drafting and, and being inches away from your competitors going at that speed and just having that discipline to do so so i think that will be the biggest learning curve so does that take a lot of practice then before you race how do you get used to that or do you just have to race yeah, um, so there's only a few tracks that we get practice for beforehand, and Daytona, thankfully, is one of them. So that's why we practice in January here. Um, we have two days of practice, and then February is our first race, and we go right into it. Are you afraid at all, or are you excited? What's your emotion <laughs> when you think about how fast these cars go? 
No, I'm so excited. I love this feeling, the feeling of speed. I love going fast and I love the feeling of being behind the wheel of a race car. So I'm a hundred percent excited. <laughs> now you also raced on dirt tracks. What's the biggest difference beyond speed, just the feel of a car on a dirt track compared to asphalt or blacktop, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think that with dirt, you definitely drive a lot more by the seat of your pants. You really feel what the car is doing underneath you. You drive with your foot more. Um, where in pavement or, or, or NASCAR, it's much more analytical and methodical. You have to be very precise when hitting your marks. And um, with dirt, you know, you can you, you search for the moisture. The track's always changing. And you can run in the high side one turn and then the low side the next turn. Where in pavement, there's usually one preferred line. And you need to hit that line consistently and perfectly every single lap for, you know, 100, 200 laps. So I think that's probably been the biggest adjustment in transitioning is just really learning the lines and learning the consistency of them because we're not talking, you know, feet or inches. We're talking like centimeters for hitting your marks properly and just doing that consistently for 200 laps straight. Did you have a NASCAR idol growing up? Um, I really like Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart growing up. Um, but right now I would say, like, I'm really inspired by people like Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson. They're just super talented race car drivers. And um, if I could have even half their talent, then I'd be super excited. <laughs> what are your expectations for yourself going to this level? Um, I still have high expectations for myself. We are racing all 20 races, so that means we have a chance at going for the championship. So I'd definitely like to get Rookie of the Year and try to get as high in the point standings as possible. No females ever won an ARCA, a national ARCA race or national championship. So that's definitely on the goal list for sure. And going into Daytona, you know, super, super speedways are known for a lot of big crashes. So I think if we can finish the race, that will be an accomplishment in itself. But of course, I still want to win. So that's, that's going to be the goal and in going into Daytona is to win. Are there many other women drivers on this circuit? Um, as far as I know right now, there's one more female, but other than that, they're all males. Okay. So how does that feel then to be one of, one of the, just two in that circuit? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty common my whole life. I've either been, you know, the only female or one of the few females. Thankfully there are a lot more females coming up in racing and that's really great to see, but it's kind of all I've ever known. So I'm pretty used to it. Fair enough. So what, uh, what COVID protocols are in place? Is there anything special or different you have to do because of the pandemic? Um, I'm not really sure as of right now. Uh, I haven't been informed too much on the, the COVID protocols. I know that things are definitely not as strict in the U.S. as they are in Canada, which I'm, I'm grateful for because it does allow us to have fans at the races. And, um, you know, having fans at the races is a huge part of our sport. We, we can't do it without the fans. So, um, I think, I think we'll be okay as far as COVID is concerned. So I can't let you go without asking you, uh, about, uh, the West final. I know Jordan Reeves has played for the rough riders and <laughs> you've kind of converted to being a rough rider fan. Did you cheer for the bombers in the gray cup or are you over that being from Manitoba, but now <laughs> having that Saskatchewan connection? Yeah. I mean, of course I'm a proud Winnipegger, but. I got to cheer for whatever team that uh, Jordan plays for. So that's a no, you didn't cheer for them. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, Amber, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. Uh, congratulations on this big opportunity and uh, wish you the best of luck.
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all the, the local support. It's, it's been really cool to see. So thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.